Hi, I'm Peggy, the amputee mommy. And I'm Dave, the bionic This blogger. is Amped, a podcast for people with limb loss. Hey, Dave, how are you today? I'm great. How are you doing, doing Peggy? I'm well. Happy President's Day. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yes. You too. I celebrate it every do you, year. Do you have off? No. no. Yeah. No. No. Kids Don't have all. off. Scott has off, so. You know, you know what President's Day is for me? Monday. Monday. <laughs> That's exactly right. What it is. Exactly right. All right. So we have a busy, busy week. We we have been kind of quiet on the advocacy front for a few weeks, which has been nice and refreshing. Um, but as we put out in our newsletter on Friday, there are some issues that, that are starting to come up and we need the Amped Army to rally again. So in today's uh, episode, we're going to go over the issue and let everybody know how they can become involved. Uh, but first, Dave, we wanted to talk about um, some breaking news, kind of breaking news, current events. How about that sounds a little bit better uh, about the Aetna yeah, medical director. So do you want to go into that? Yeah. So middle to late last week, a bunch of articles came out uh, regarding statements made by uh, Aetna's medical director. Uh, I, I don't know if it's for the national medical director or for the state of California specifically, but there's a litigation against that in the state of California. And in conjunction with that lawsuit, uh, the medical director was deposed. And in it, he acknowledged that, in fact, he, he did not personally review the claim or claims at issue in the lawsuit. And this has created a huge stir as everyone's going crazy. I saw many, many people um, including physicians saying this is, um, you know, big news and it could change the way insurance companies work and et cetera, et cetera. And I, I guess I don't necessarily have the same take as everybody else on this. Okay. Um, yeah, it would make, you know, I would tend to think that a medical director probably wouldn't read every claim. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's not the job description. I mean, medical directors are there to uh, largely, as I understand it, to create policy and to oversee uh, teams of medical professionals, uh, generally uh, heavily nurses, uh, who review claims themselves and provide uh, guidance and the medical director then either signs off or does not. And in fact, that's exactly what this medical director uh, admitted in his deposition testimony that typically his nurses give him the recommendations and he tends to follow them um, often without actually looking at right. the file itself. Um, I don't personally, <laughs> having worked with insurance companies for as long as I have or against insurance companies, um, I don't find this surprising in the least. This is sort of my general belief about how uh, work gets delegated at these companies. Uh, that doesn't mean that the optics of it aren't really bad for Aetna. And I'm guessing that Aetna's attorneys are not thrilled that the doctor answered the question that way. And I think that's what's really causing the stir is the fact that the, the medical director actually right. admitted it. But um, it'll be interesting to watch how this develops and what, if any, uh, repercussions flow from it on the insurance company side. Uh, my, my best guess is that this is something that will create a lot of noise in the short run. The insurance commissioner for the state of California has seized on this and is going to, is going to just ride this story into the ground because it's a, it's a dead winner with the, with the public at large because people don't like insurance companies. And this is a great 
story uh, to be able to tell, whether or not it really reflects a practice that is egregious or not, I think is much less clear. Um, you know, and I, I think we just have to see. And how as it all always, plays we'll out. be following it. And if there's anything else that we need to address, we will. Correct. Yep, we will we will watch what's going on. If, if, interestingly, California right now, Peggy, is kind of a hotbed for a series of litigations against insurance companies, including one, I believe, I don't remember if it's Blue Shield of California or Anthem, but there's actually a specific lawsuit around denials relating to microprocessor knees in the state um, that is ongoing. Um, and actually, a motion to dismiss that lawsuit uh, made by the insurance companies was denied just a few weeks ago. So lots of action in California with private insurance companies and denials of claims and even specifically mm. in the prosthetics world. And actually, California, uh, Dave, is kind of – we reference it today in our podcast as well. Not the smoothest segue, yes, but I'm we trying. Do. Um no, no, that was pretty good. I think that was pretty good because actually, um, the you know the 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 legislation we're going to talk about today that passed the House late last week uh, really arises out of uh, out of activities that are largely occurring, certainly most publicly occurring in Florida, and were the subject of a of a sixty minute segment in the not so distant past. Um, and so, let's talk a little bit about HR six twenty. Um, do you I would wanna, love do you to tee up, up the issue, issue but of course, if you if you receive the Amped newsletter and subscribe to the newsletter, which can be done at ampedpod.com slash subscribe, you already are very familiar with this issue because we did talk about it in last week's newsletter. Um, but last week, the House of Representatives passed H.R. 620. Um, now, H.R. 620 is admittedly trying to solve a very legitimate problem, and that is kind of – I don't know if we want – do we want to use the word frivolous? Probably egregious lawsuits um, that are filed in certain states for ADA violations, and we're going to get into what we mean by that. Um, now, while it is trying to solve a legitimate problem, the bill ultimately undermines the protections in the ADA for disabled Americans, um, and that's what we have an issue with in, in this legislation. Yep, absolutely. It's a this is one that um, I think there are some confusion around some of the nuances uh, about this. We actually, you and I had a, had um, we, we responded to some comments uh, from actually a prosthetist on that, and I think we should talk about that as well, okay. Peggy, as as we get into this a little bit, uh, because. Uh, it's not the. It seems like a straightforward issue, and then when you dive down and actually look at what mechan- is mechanically happening, it's not quite as straightforward in terms of how uh, this is all working and how the pieces fit together. So we're gonna we're gonna go into a little bit of detail here, but I, we think it's important for people to understand where the problems lie because a very high level view of this would lead to the mistaken impression that the Americans with Disabilities Act is the problem here. And it's really not. The, the The way the language in that statute is written is not what's creating the problems. It's a series, as you mentioned, of state laws in, in, a certain, in certain states that is actually driving the issue that the House is now trying to solve in a way that I think you and I agree is not beneficial to the limb loss difference community specifically and to the 
uh, the disabled community Absolutely. more generally. And we did go States. over the ADA comprehensively in episode nine of AMPT. So if you're not really familiar with the ADA and want to learn more about it, we did uh, really kind of do a deep dive into that legislation and how it impacts the limb loss, limb difference community. Uh, we did that last year. So go back to episode nine and give it a listen if you want a refresher or if you're a new listener and haven't had the chance to go back. Um, but just to update a little bit, uh, Title Three of the ADA applies to public accommodations and commercial facilities. And that's really the crux of what we're talking about here. Uh, under Title Three of the ADA, um, the, the facilities are prohibited from preventing disabled people from fully enjoying these accommodations. In other words, that, that they have to have reasonable accommodations to ensure equal access. That's where the ramps come in. That's where the elevators come in. That's where um, the lifts and all that sort of thing. All of those accommodations to make sure that the doorways are wide enough for the wheelchairs to get through. That sort of thing is covered by Title Three. Yeah, and yeah, and Peggy, just to clarify here, actually, specifically in the context of reasonable accommodations, um, the 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 cost of the solutions is often linked to determine what's reasonable. So elevators, uh, escalators might not be considered reasonable accommodations, depending on the size of the business and the amount of money it has. So typically here, we're talking about less invasive solutions like ramps, railings, accessible uh, those types of things. Sort of thing. But Yes. Um, yep. and, Absolutely. and like Dave, Dave reminded me and, and everybody else is that they're not expecting, you know, buildings to completely do revamps, um, and small businesses to provide massive elevators and lift systems and things like that. Um, specifically, Dave, I'm going to let you go into the next one because that's a little bit more litigious. So you're the lawyer. Well, sure. So, you know, in general, as Peggy said, under ADA Title Three is applying to these commercial facilities uh, and public accommodations. Um, the specific section of the ADA that's actually giving rise to uh, or that creates indirectly the problem that the House of Representatives is trying to solve with H.R. 620 is the provision that relates to uh Relief, the damages or uh, the, the type of remedies available to people who want to file a claim. And so um, under the ADA, and the, the actual citation is 28 Code of Federal Regulations 36.501, it permits private lawsuits under Title III of the ADA. So an individual citizen can sue a business under Title III. But, and this is important, the only relief available under that section is injunctive in nature, or what would generally be called equitable relief. In other words, not monetary damages. So um, the only remedy that you can get if you sue under this section and a court agrees with you is you can get an order to uh, alter the facility to make it accessible. Uh, but you cannot get monetary damages for a private lawsuit initiated under know. Title III. So where, so where this is becoming an issue is not under the federal law, but it's becoming with state laws because some states do allow for monetary damages for ADA Title III violations. Um, now, these damages are designed to afford additional protections for individuals with disabilities, but the state laws have unintended consequences 
whereby the number of drive-by quote-unquote lawsuits have exploded. Uh, basically, and I know, Dave, I've seen this actually on social media where people have been in, in uh, specific limb loss groups have been recruited by some lawyers to try to, you know, hey, you can make easy money. Go out here and help me find these buildings that aren't accessible. Um, and it's really, it's, it's worded in a way that, that it can seem enticing because it's worded that you're helping the community because you're helping everybody, you know, get up to par and you can make some money at the same time. Um, so these, some of these lawyers are using social media to recruit people. I just wanted to put that out there. Um, and don't even need, and technically don't even need to under this under the state laws that have been passed. So um, what a lot of these guys are doing, they're they're either literally driving by. There are stories of lawyers literally looking at facilities using Google Earth. They're not even leaving their offices. So they're looking at the facility and they're saying, "Oh, I don't think it's ADA compliant." They hit them with a lawsuit, and then they try to settle immediately right. or extort, essentially extort settlements uh, because the small business doesn't want to risk getting uh, hit with attorney's fees and, and, uh, and the cost of the problem litigation. in some of these states and a lot of the smaller businesses who, um, you know, have all the good intentions in the world, but may not be completely compliant or may be compliant, but don't have the funds to really fight it um, are being extorted and are having to pay, you know, these lawyers to go away basically. Yeah, it's a it's a huge it's a huge and legitimate problem for small businesses, and, and it's not and, in every state, um, and it's is, not federal; well, we can, it's state. So I think we need to remind people of that. Yeah, it, this is the really important point, and I said earlier the problem is not with the ADA. The ADA itself isn't the mechanism by which attorneys are abusing the litigation process to try to make money quickly and easily. The way they're doing it is through these state laws, which actually allow for the recovery of monetary damages where the ADA does not. So HR 620 is the wrong solution because it rolls back federal protections because of state laws. So the solution to these problems exists at a state level because they are state by state issues. It's not a federal issue because it's it's allowed by state mandates, not by federal mandates. Correct. And the you know the the actual practical effect of HR six twenty on any disabled American is that it delays our civil rights, our access to assert our civil rights by anywhere from two to six months. And that's probably at a minimum. Um, Because um, the HR 620 actually requires specificity uh, around the nature of the barrier, um, among other things, uh, there's going to be a lot of arguing when someone files a complaint if HR 620 ever got passed, um, there's going to be a lot of arguing by the small business that they don't understand with enough specificity what it is that's being alleged, for example. And so this two to six months as a practical matter is going to very quickly become six to 12 months or longer. And the one thing that's happening while all of that arguing is going on is individuals with disabilities are not getting access to the facility. And the reason they're not getting access to the facility is because of these arguments over uh, 
aspects of the statute that aren't crystal clear. Um, and the clear message this sends, Peggy, right? There's no other civil rights statute that basically puts a waiting period on your ability to assert those rights and says, exactly. well, you can have civil rights, but you've got to wait to assert them first. I mean, civil rights are civil rights. And so, you know, from our perspective, certainly, uh, this sends a very clear message that disabled Americans' civil rights are really uh, inferior to those of other groups. And it just, it doesn't make any sense. And we don't think it's uh, ethically right or morally right uh, when considered uh, against uh, the whole range of other civil rights available to other groups exactly. that they can and should be able to um, assert And again, we, we fully acknowledge that, that there is a big issue in some of these states with the drive-by lawsuits. This is not the way to fix it. This is a state, this is a federal fix for a state issue, and it's the wrong fix. It, it will not work because it, it takes the rights of individuals with disabilities down. And anything that removes rights and removes access, AMPT is going to fight against. So what happens next? H.R. 620 moves to the Senate. Currently, there's no Senate version of H.R. Yes, 620. And top Democrats have already come out against it. Yep. So, uh, you know, it's it's not at all clear what's going to happen next. Um, I don't know, frankly, if there's a heavy Republican support for this um, in the in the Senate or not. Uh, I, you know, obviously high profile Democrats, including uh, Tammy Duckworth from uh, Illinois, uh, who lives with lives life with two prostheses, as well as uh, Senator uh, Walsh from Washington, have already both said that they will oppose this bill. And we'll, we'll sort of have to see how it shakes out. But that doesn't mean we can't do anything in the meantime. So let's Absolutely. talk about so what our call to action is. On our website, ampedpod.com, you can go to current issues and you can download a draft letter for your senators. We have one for you to send, and we have one for friends and family and supporters to send. Um, then go to our Find Your U.S. Senators button and email them. When you're done with that, you want to hop on to our Federal Legislators Twitter index and tweet them. And let them know that you're against this legislation. And we encourage everybody to use the hashtag hands off my ADA in your tweet. And if you, if you, uh, yeah, and if meant, you know, if you include amped in your tweets, we will be very happy to retweet them. Yeah. And for any of you who are sitting there saying, oh, I didn't catch all of that, just download the free podcast summary that is available on our website, www.amptpod.com. We have links for all of these things built into the podcast summary. So you can simply download that no charge. You click on the links. It'll take you to every point you need to be to do everything Peggy just said. And Peggy, before we summarize these points and and review the HR 620 issue, uh, let's just talk for a second about, we alluded to it earlier, but um, we actually got a, a, a message on social media from a prosthetist. And in our, in our um, newsletter last Friday, uh, we specifically and carefully chose the word immoral to describe what was going on here. And this clinician uh, came back and, and said, look, I, 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 he interpreted the newsletter to be saying, 
we were we were suggesting that small businesses, including prosthetists, who were trying to, you know, who were subject to these kinds of frivolous lawsuits, were acting immorally to want and some kind of remedy from correct. that. And that is not, yeah, it's not what we were trying to communicate. And I don't think we did. I um, mean, we we posted a reply to that, but the, it really comes down to. The, the issue here is not with small business owners from our perspective. The issue here is certainly not with prosthetists who, ob- for very obvious reasons, do everything in their power to make their businesses ADA compliant. I think the worst business strategy in the world as a prosthetist would be to make your building inaccessible. No one will come to you. So we are not suggesting that prosthetists are immoral. We're not suggesting that small businesses um, are immoral in this context. What we were specifically referring to was the House of Representatives' decision to try to solve a state law issue by passing legislation that makes the civil rights of individuals with disabilities secondary to a business problem. Because in our view, civil rights should trump everything. So that was the, what we were specifically referring to in our newsletter when we talked about immorality. And uh, you know, we feel strongly about that. We stand by it. Uh, but we certainly don't want there to be any confusion about that issue. We don't want prosthetists or other small businesses to think that we were somehow trying to lump them into that category when we use that terminology. And I think it was, I think. When I went back and read our newsletter, Peggy, I felt very comfortable that we had said that. But absolutely, I'm glad you clarified that. Um, And we're always happy to to respond if you have a question about anything that we put out there, or or some confusion, or you just flat out don't agree with us. Let us know. Email us at ampedpod at gmail dot com. You know, we'd love to have a dialogue about it. Yeah, the, the the one thing we will not do is we're not going to try to shut down discussion. If we get negative posts, uh, negative feedback, we're not going to be deleting it um, unless it's offensive for some reason, but we're not going to be deleting it from our social media feeds. We want there to be open and frank discussions about these issues, Absolutely. and we're certainly comfortable. Very well this. said, my friend. So would you I like would to summarize to, the HR 620 HR issue? Because HR 620 tries to solve a very real problem of these drive-by lawsuits of these these um, lawyers who are doing it on their own and are recruiting people with disabilities to you know look for anything that may possibly be wrong to try to get money or to even just get a payoff so that the small businesses don't go forward. It is a true problem. We are not arguing that it's not a problem. It is a state-by-state problem because it's not in the federal mandate of the ADA. It is through state regulations. Um, Under H.R. 620, which is a federal fix, disabled American civil rights would be put through a waiting period, and that is absolutely unacceptable from the AMPT perspective. We encourage everybody to become an AMPT activist on this issue and email and tweet your senators using the tools on our websites and our hash- the hashtag hands off our ADA. Yeah, and I, I just did this earlier today, Peggy. I teased it uh, via Twitter a little bit earlier. Um, it took me only, you know, five to 10 minutes to do, you know, to customize the letter uh, for for my specific situation and to fire it off to both my senators. And I hope 
everyone who listens to Amped, um, and, as well as your family members. Please let your family members know, because uh, we have a letter for them as well. Please ask them to take the time to do this, to then blast it out on social media. And please make sure to tag us when you do that, uh, so we can retweet it and uh, try to really you know, expand the, uh, the, the breadth of, of awareness around this important issue. I mean, this is not an issue that is specific to the limb loss, limb difference community. This affects every individual with a disability in the United States. And it's, it's, it's this not, is not a good solution. It and just we, we really want everybody to rally behind this. So I'm looking forward to having everybody rally again and, um, you know, we warned everybody in our newsletter. We encouraged everybody to rest up because we were getting ready to to rage another advocacy campaign. So here we are. So visit our website, use our tools, and then drop back and let us know that you've done it. Let us know that you are an AMPT activist. Uh, Dave, as we close, I do want to say that the one of our strongest AMPT activists, Molly, was in an accident last week, and uh, we're thinking about her. And wishing her the best recovery. Yeah, I was very, I was very upset to hear this when you told me the news. And Molly has always been very active, uh, especially on Twitter, uh, retweeting what we do, responding to calls to action, and being very supportive of of the principles AMP stands for. So Molly, we're thinking so, of you and, and we I hope you feel better to, real soon. Uh, we, we wrote about it in the newsletter, but I wanted to thank Catherine, who is also a listener and made that beautiful crocheted blanket to donate uh, to OPAF on behalf of AMPT. And that was put up to auction at the conference last week in New Orleans. I'm not sure how much it got. I will find out and I will circle, we'll circle back and let everybody know, but really appreciate her efforts. It was gorgeous. It was a, you are my sunshine blanket. Yes. And I will freely admit that I am not an expert on crocheted blankets, but I will also say that when I saw it and I saw the photo you sent to me, Peggy, I was like, that's really cool. That is a gorgeous, very pretty blanket. I, do I wish I don't either. I had the skill to do I something really like don't. that. I don't. But, but thanks so much for allowing means us the to world donate to us. It in the AMP community. All right, Dave. So everybody has their calls to action for this week. And as always, if anything breaks or changes on the legislative front, we will come back with a special podcast. But in the meantime, uh, stay the course and get your letters out. Yes, please do. Um, Any questions, you know how to reach us either through the website or through social media. Don't hesitate to do that. And the last thing, Peggy, before we close, we talked about this at the end of last week's episode. You know, we, I played the outro music and there's some muffled noise going on over the music. And I said, Peggy, you know, people can still hear us when we're playing it. And your response was, (laughs) I'm dancing. We like our we like our own theme song a lot, so sometimes we're grooving to the music as only middle aged awkward people I, can I will, do. I will try and to not our mics can pick yes. it up. So we I apologize will, will try not for the to total lack of professionalism. <laughs> All right, bye. All right, Peggy. Have a good week. Talk to you soon.